when The Guardian newspaper created its top 25 horror movies of all time. It was no accident that three of the top 10 movies were focused on vampires. Two of the three movies have already been covered on this season of Chronicle, with Vampire at number 9 and Nosferatu A Symphony of Horror at number 7. This itself is such a huge achievement considering both titles are several decades older than the rest of the titles in the top 10 list. The youngest title to break into this illustrious top 10 is the third vampire movie and final movie to be discussed in this season. Ladies and gentlemen, let the right one in. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish and you're listening to Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. Ignition, T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, liftoff. Welcome back to Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and this is episode number 6 of season 1 of the show. In this season we're looking at the vampirism subgenre of horror within European cinema. Last episode we looked at Philip Ridley's The Reflecting Skin and this episode we're looking at Let the Right One In from 2008. If this is your first time listening to Chronicle Podcast, please go back and listen to our debut episode. It sets the stage for what's to come on Season 1. Can I thank everyone who checked out Episode number 5 and left me all the kind words of support and feedback on Facebook. Our group page may only be small in numbers, but the voices of those who are members are loud and passionate about horror and I am immensely proud to be able to give you content every two weeks. To join the Facebook group page for the show, please head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash chronicle podcast. This is the season one finale of the show and I hope that you've enjoyed listening to the journey into the vampirism subgenre of European cinema as much as I have enjoyed researching, writing, recording and producing it. However, before we close up shop for a few months, there's a little matter left unresolved. Well, maybe not so much a little matter, because by the year 2008, the vampire genre as a whole had mostly run out of steam. And as movie, theatre patrons and cinephiles look set to drive the final stake into the dead heart of this much maligned subgenre, an unlikely country would release a movie that would profoundly change the vampire landscape forever. So before we close this season for a few months, let's discuss Let the Right One In. You're listening to Chronicle Podcast. Stay with us.
Scandinavia is not a region of the world where people would associate great artist flirts of vampire-inspired works. But look a little closer and you see that whether it's Norwegian-born Edvard Munch's 1895 painting Love and Pain, aka Vampire. The vampiric undertones in the great Swedish author and playwright August Strindberg's novel The Red Room from 1879 and his play The Dance of Death Parts 1 and 2 from the 1900s. Or even the visual masterclass that is Carol Theodore Dreyer's Vampire from 1932. It's something that's always been there and it's something that the outside world will easily overlook. So when Thomas Alfredson was approached to direct the movie adaptation of John Lindquist's debut novel Let Dem Ratter Coma, you'd understand that all interested parties never expected this movie to move far beyond their little corner of the planet. In fact, it took several years to move into development since the rights being secured by the author in the year of the book's release, 2004. Alfredson was mostly known for his Swedish movies and TV, but most certainly not known for any works in the horror genre, and the first time author Lindquist's insistence on adapting the screenplay didn't make this the kind of powerhouse combination you'd expect to deliver a movie that would eventually wow critics and moviegoers all over the globe. So what's the movie about? The movie follows Oscar, played by Carrie Hedenbrandt, a shy and timid 12-year-old boy who lives with his mother Yvonne in the small Stockholm town of Blackenburg. The year is 1981 and Oscar is mostly at home with his mother or occasionally living with his estranged father Eric who resides out in the countryside. When not at home, he has a fairly miserable time fitting in at school, mostly being bullied by a particularly nasty group of classmates. Oscar's escape comes in the form of his imagination and fantasies, where he imagines his revenge on his tormentors and has a bizarre fascination with collecting news clippings of murders in the area. The apartment next door was recently taken over by a young girl, Ellie, played by Lena Lee Anderson, and a much older man called Hacken. When the two kids first meet, Ellie warns Oscar that they can't be friends. However, over time the two become close friends, with Oscar even loaning Ellie his Rubik's Cube to play with, and the two send messages through their walls in Morse code at night. Hacken is very protective of Ellie and tells her that she must stop seeing Oscar, however, she doesn't listen. When Ellie meets Oscar one day after school and sees that he has a cut on his cheek, she asks to find out what has happened. Oscar tells her that he is being bullied and Ellie encourages Oscar to stand up to the bullies, which encourages him to take up weightlifting classes after school. In the meantime, Hacken tries to kill and extract the blood of a person who is out walking on a footpath at night. 
The blood he is harvesting is for Ellie, who turns out to be a vampire, but he's interrupted during the process and ultimately returns to Ellie empty-handed. Ellie is left with no option but to kill a local man called Yoki, who has been drinking with his best friend Lack. A local called Gosta observes the murders from the nearby flat but refuses to report the killing, believing that his eyes have played tricks on him. Hakken tries to redeem himself in the eyes of Ellie by attempting to obtain more blood from a teenager in a local school. However, this doesn't go to plan either, and before he is captured by police, he pours hydrochloric acid on his face to disfigure his features and make him unidentifiable. When Ellie finds out that Hacken has been taken to hospital, she climbs up the wall on the outside, up to his room, which is under restricted access. Hacken opens the window and offers his neck to Ellie, who feeds on him, leaving Hacken to fall out the window, dead. Ellie returns to their apartment block and spends the night with Oscar. During a conversation, they agree to go steady. Ellie reveals that she is not a girl, but Oscar seemingly disregards this. During a school trip, the body of the local man, Yoki, is discovered in a frozen lake. At the same time this is happening, Oscar finally stands up to the kids bullying him ultimately striking the ringleader, Connie, in the head with a pole. Oscar is still oblivious to the fact that Ellie is a vampire and later that night he proposes that they form a sort of blood pack. Ellie is hungry and instead of attacking Oscar, he eats the blood that drops and runs away. A local woman called Virginia is subsequently attacked by Ellie but is saved when her boyfriend, Lack, interrupts the assault. Virginia has been bitten and very quickly finds that she experiences pain in the sunlight. She attempts to, and fails, to kill the local recluse, Gosta, and in fear heads to the hospital. While there, she believes that she might indeed be a vampire, and asks the nurse to open the curtains allowing the sunlight to flood in. At this time, she bursts into flames and dies. Oscar now knows about Ellie's true identity and confronts him, where he admits that he is indeed a vampire. Oscar is initially horrified at the needless killing that he must do in order to survive, but Ellie convinces him that they are very much alike in their bloodlust. Lack manages to track down Ellie, and after breaking into the apartment, he finds him sleeping in a bathtub. Lack is about to kill him, when Oscar interrupts and this distraction allows Ellie to attack and kill Lack, receiving the blood he so greatly needed. Ellie now realises that it is no longer safe to stay in the apartment, and leaves under the cover of night after kissing Oscar in gratitude for his help. The following day, Oscar receives a phone call from a friend of a bully he had injured. He is lured to the school pool where he is confronted by the bullies and Connie's older, more sadistic brother, Jimmy. 
They set a fire to lure the teacher out of the pool area and the rest of the kids leave Oscar alone with the bullies. Jimmy, Connie's older brother, forces Oscar's head under the water after he threatens to take out his eye if he can't hold his breath under there for three minutes. While Oscar is under the water, Ellie arrives and kills all the bullies except for the meekest one. In the final scene, Oscar is travelling on a train with Ellie in a box beside him, keeping him safe. The two exchange Morse code through the walls of the box, with Ellie tapping out the word KISS to Oscar, and Oscar returning the message to her. You're listening to Chronicle Podcast. Stay with us. The author of the novel, John Lindquist, was insistent that he would be the one to adapt from his source material. And this was originally met with resistance from the director, Alfredson. Alfredson was concerned due to certain aspects of the character, Hacken. He's a paedophile in the novel, and Alfredson was concerned that this would detract from the central through story, so this aspect of the character was essentially toned back considerably. The title of the movie, Let the Right One In, comes from a Morrissey song that Lindquist loved, but also has connotations to the vampire lore. These are explored in the movie when Ellie is asked to enter Oscar's apartment without permission. During the development process for the movie, the director and screenwriter would argue about this exploration and, ultimately, Alfredson wanted it removed from the script. Lindquist was adamant that it remained. In the original edits for the movie, the director felt it was not in keeping with the aesthetic of the overall movie and decided to remove all backing music, instead playing the scene in silence. The end result is one of the most striking of the movie, as Ellie enters the room and starts to bleed from her eyes and the pores on her face. Another detail which is toned back in the movie was the sexuality of Ellie. The novel makes it clear that Ellie is a boy who was castrated some centuries before by a sadistic vampire nobleman. This has left Ellie as somewhat of an androgynous character. This is alluded to in the movie, during a scene where Ellie changes into a dress. It's also covered briefly in a conversation with Oscar, when he tells him that he is not a girl. In order to develop this further, Lena Leanderson was dubbed in the movie by Elif Sian as she was considered too high-pitched in tone. Alfredson has stated in interviews that the reason he believes the movie has been embraced out with its native Sweden was because he approached the movie as a piece of silent cinema and as such any and all dialogue was handled more like poetry flowing through it and thus subtitles ultimately do not detract from the viewing experience for non-Swedish speakers. Few words can truly describe the inherent beauty of this movie. The cinematography helmed by Hoyt van Hoytma is nothing short of incredible. 
He has since moved on to bigger and better projects, most recently as a cinematographer on Spike Jones' critically applauded movie Her from 2013. He would go on to do Christopher Nolan's sci-fi epic Interstellar from 2014 and last year's James Bond movie Spectre for director Sam Mendes. The score by John Soderquist is nothing short of astonishing. It's layered with whimsical romantic moments and littered with melancholia. And what of director Thomas Alfredson? Well, he's only made one movie since Let the Right One In, which couldn't be any further from the vampire subgenre. Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy from 2011 was his next project, and this movie reunited him with the cinematographer Hoyte van Hoetma, and starred a huge British ensemble cast, ultimately going on to gross 80 million US dollars worldwide. As for Let the Right One In, an American remake was commissioned shortly afterwards to be directed by Cloverfield director Matt Reeves and drew much criticism from Alfredson. It would be made in conjunction with the UK's own Hammer Horror Studios, giving the company their first cinematic release in over 30 years. And what of the legacy of Let the Right One In? What's its impact on the vampire subgenre? Well, in the decade that spawned the spandex-clad Underworld franchise and the release of the teen movie Twilight, also in 2008, the legacy can clearly be charted through such interesting vampire outputs as Neil Jordan's Byzantium from 2012 or even Jim Jarmusch's only Lovers Left Alive from 2013. Both are interesting artistic takes on the vampire subgenre. And I, for one, can't wait to see more European horror vampire movies follow suit. You're listening to Chronicle Podcast. Stay with us. And you've been listening to Chronicle Podcast. This has been Season 1, Episode Number 6, and we've been looking at Thomas Alfredson's Let the Right One In from 2008. Like I said at the start of this episode, this is the Season 1 finale episode of Chronicle Podcast. So what does that actually mean? The time taken to create Season 1 of this show has been close to six months in preparation, research, writing and recording. So when this episode finishes we're going back to the research phase and preparing a new subgenre to focus on and cycle of research, writing and recording begins again. But do not fear. Chronicle Podcast will be returning exclusively to Legion Podcast in the summer of 2016. In order to keep up with developments for Season 2, please check out our Facebook group page. You can join and contact me by visiting facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash chronicle podcast. 
As always, can I thank everyone who has supported the show, shared, liked and left reviews on iTunes. This is the best way to support this podcast and make sure we bring you more content in the months to come. Remember, it takes a few seconds to leave feedback on iTunes and the more we get of it, the higher in the ratings we will be featured for other horror fans to find the show. A huge thanks once again to Von Herzog for the intro and outro music featured on Chronicle Podcast. Please go over and support his work. And as always, a list of all the artists whose music is featured on this episode will be listed in the show notes. The version of this movie used for this review is the Momentum Pictures Blu-ray release in the UK. Chronicle Podcast is exclusively available on Legion Podcast Network, surrounded by a multitude of fantastic shows. This week, I recommend listening to Kiss the Goat. X and Cootie host a devil movie-only podcast which is fun, interactive and highly addictive. Along with their news correspondent, Sin Fallon, this show will have you questioning Hollywood's knowledge of theology and your weekly alcohol consumption. So listen to Kiss the Goat podcast exclusively on legionpodcast.com. And finally, if you want to listen to more of me talk horror, then you can check out my other show, The Podcast Under the Stairs, at tputzcast.com or on iTunes. Chronicle Podcast was written, recorded and produced by me for you. Join me in the summer when we start a brand new journey through the pages of European horror cinema. But until the next time, remember, when someone is walking beside us, we have more courage to walk into the unknown and risk the dark and messy places in our journey. This is Duncan McLeish from Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. Until the next time. Ignition. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Lift off. The Elventine. What's that? Elventine offer. The Elventine. The Elventine. Elventino? Elventenio. Elventenio. Oh, right. Elventenio. All this talking vampires. What I really want to do is go, I want to suck your butt. Flash forward 200 years when Dr. Cruvagin. Oh my god, why can't they have British names? Mm, it's an Italian term, Duncan. Mm. You're listening to Chronicle Co- Chronicle Pod. Oh my god, Chronicle Podcast. This would come to be a blessing and a curse for Bava, as he soon found that his reputation as a director who could finish. That, that sense doesn't make sense. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Black Sunday opens in the year 1630, somewhere in Moldavia, as Azure Vaz- <laughs> Oh, this is going to drive me up the wall. Directing credit on Pietro Franceschi's La Foccia di Alcol. Could you speak any slower? I sound like a robot. I want to suck your blood. <laughs> Carol Theodore Drea was sent to a mental institution for recording a podcast called Chronicle where he keeps making friggin' mistakes. Uh, this is going to be the death of me. Well, let's do a sidecast. Oh, that was a great idea. Max Shrek in this movie is not your typical vampire. He is more akin to were rat, were rats. Were, he's more akin to where I'm going to have to record that again. Oh no! So when Thomas Alfredson was approached to direct the movie adaptation of John Lindquist's debut novel *La Den Rate*com, how do you pronounce that? *La Den*. Stop recording, Duncan. What are you doing? Alfredson wanted it removed from the script. However, Lindquist was adamant that it remain. When it was originally edited into the movie, the director felt it was not in keeping with the aesthetic of the movie and the script... Fun banana! Ah, ah, ah. Do banana! Uh, uh, uh. As far as director Thomas Alfredson, well, he's only made one movie since, which couldn't be... Oh, that's, let's try again. As for the director, Thomas Alfredson, well, he's made only one movie since this, which couldn't be any further from his vampire subgenre. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy was his next project, and why am I talking like this? Obviously for emphasis. The cinematography helmed by Hoity Van Ho- <laughs> Hoity Van Hoiterson. That's not his name, Duncan. Yeah, that's also incredibly racist. And finally, if you want to listen to more of me talk horror, then you can check out my other show, Chronicle Pot, not Chronicle. <laughs> we're so close. But until the next time, remember, one of the greatest journeys in life is overcoming insecurity and learning to truly not give a sh. This is uh, <laughs> I can't say that word. Oh Jesus! Yeah, this um, is a non-explicit show. Fantastic.